0: Good morning. good morning. It's really good to be here. Um, as many of you know, I'm Carly's dad. And uh, so we get regular reports on you guys. And um, mostly good. No, they've all been good. But just been greatly encouraged hearing what God's doing in your midst. Um, and uh, really has, has moved my heart in terms of what I'm preaching. And uh, the passage that I ri- originally had, uh, Grant already preached through it. And I listened to it, and he did such a good job that I chose something else. (laughs) Um, But we will be in, thank you for reading that. Uh, We're going to be in Matthew 18, probably a familiar parable to most of you. One of the organizations that uh, I'm on the board for and I speak for is Peacemakers. Uh, It started about 35 years ago. They go into churches and help mediate and do conciliation when there's conflict, um, out of that peacemaker ministry became another ministry called Relational Wisdom three hundred and sixty. If you ever want to look it up, R W three 360org dot org. And uh, Ken created Ken Sandy, the, the the gentleman, the who wrote the peacemaker, um, was involved in peacemaking for so long that, um, and he was always getting in in the middle when the conflict was already happening and mediating that. He wanted to. Create a ministry where we got upstream from the conflict and gave churches the tools on how to avoid the conflict, <clears throat> and thus rw 360 Why do I say all that? Well, we were at a I was at a conference this last October in Montana. Anybody ever been to Montana? Amazing, and the fish really are that big. Um, but went to Montana for their annual conference, and one of the speakers, Rankin Wilborn, was there, and he did a message. On forgiveness, that really personally struck home with me. I was personally convicted of it. And you would think that um, a conference of Christian pastors, Christian counselors, Christian peacemaker mediators, Christian RW360 leaders would have the subject of forgiveness down. Right? If anybody, I mean, these are the people who help people work through biblical forgiveness. And yet, he started his message on this subject, in this passage, and he said, if you think that you have got the the subject or the, the area of forgiveness down, he said, that tells me that you don't. I was like, okay, I'm listening. He goes, that's a red flag. If you think, oh, I understand these passages, I understand we've been forgiven in Christ, and we're to forgive others, but he said, if you think you've got this down, he goes, that tells me that you don't. I mean, think about the culture that we live in now, folks. Cancel culture, right? Um, ghosting, unfriending is commonplace in our culture. And, and words like, will you forgive me, are becoming more and more rare. This subject is so important that when we have the model prayer in Matthew, our Father who art in heaven, forgiveness is one of the main subjects of our Lord's model prayer. In fact, it mentions it twice, and at the very end of the Lord's prayer, and it says, and if you don't forgive your brother, neither will I forgive you. Now, I'm not saying you can lose your salvation. I think what that passage is teaching us, what Christ was teaching us right there, was that forgiveness for us as believers should be such a part of our DNA that reflects that we really are born again. And if we are an unforgiving people, it brings into question our very faith. We should be the most forgiving. If we get the gospel, and you guys are getting the gospel preached here every week, if we get the gospel, folks, we should be the most forgiving people on the planet, right? And and so we're going to talk today about this parable and about the subject of forgiveness. I don't know about you. I'm 64. I'm going to be on Medicare here pretty soon, right? Wow. Um, and <laughs> <you> <laughs> What? <laughs> because I love you brother but I don't know about you I need to be reminded you know Peter in his, uh, his letter in the, the second epistle of Peter it was toward the end of his life if you read commentaries they say it was probably in his 70s and in chapter 1 I think it's 12 through 15 Peter just says hey I'm going to remind you of the basics and just in case you forget, I'm going to remind you again. And, and he tells us that we need to remember. Why? Because if you're like me, we forget. In fact, since I've put this message together, I've, I've actually given it a couple times, and in reviewing it, I'm saying, man, I just need to remind myself of what I've been forgiven in order to continue to be a forgiving person continuing to be trying to be that light and salt so we're going to talk about the subject of forgiveness and we're going to do it in three sections today one is we're just going to unpack the passage very quickly and then and then in our second part today we're going to look at the the nature of biblical forgiveness we're going to look at what the bible says about forgiveness and then my third point is going to be really a step-by-step of what we're to do with biblical forgiveness And some of this, probably most of it's going to be a review for you all. But if you're like me, you need to be reminded. Right? So I'm going to pray one more time just so I stay out of God's way and that God speaks to us this morning. Father, I thank you so very much for this opportunity to unpack your word for your people. And I pray, God, that we would continue by your grace, to be getting our mind around the gospel of grace so that as we do that, Father, we would not only be receivers of grace through Christ, but givers of grace to those we come in contact with, to those who have maybe hurt us. So, Lord, I pray that I'd stay out of your way and that you would speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So... The context of our passage this morning is Matthew 18. Now, Matthew 18 is the, if we look at verses 15 through 20, it's the passage for church discipline, where the disciples went to Jesus and said, hey, if somebody sins, what are we to do about it? And he talks about the steps of church discipline. Go to them one-on-one, then you bring two or three, and if they don't repent there, you and it goes through the steps of church discipline. So that's the context of the question here, starting in verse 21 from Peter. Everyone there? It says, And Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seven times 70. So what's that mean? Well, it doesn't mean that when you hit 490, you... Drop the mic. I'm out of here. I'm not going to have anything to do with you. No, it, 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 it's we forgive however often it takes to forgive. You see, in Judaism, it, the tradition at that time in first century Palestine was when you forgive somebody three times, then you can just say, I'm done. And so Peter was being really generous. He goes, seven Jesus all all knowing blows them out of the water, knows 490 plus. Now, I really want you to get this. What Jesus was teaching his disciples right here is that forgiveness is both an event and an ongoing practice. If you're going to write anything down, just write that down. That forgiveness is not just a one-time event, but it's an ongoing practice. Practice, and we're going to unpack that here a little bit later. So let's let's look at the parable, verse 24. Uh, we have a king, a ruler. Um, he wished to settle his counts. And along came one of his servants who owed him 10,000 talents. Um, I've heard different figures here from different commentators anywhere from 25 million to 6 billion. Either way, it was an insurmountable debt. You need to get that. There's no way in this person's life that they would be able to pay that off. Insurmountable. And so we read in verse 25, he couldn't pay it back, and so the king orders him to be sold into slavery along with his whole family until the payment is made. So in verse 26, the servant does what we would probably do, falls on his knees and begs the king for mercy promising that he would repay everything, which, by the way, was impossible. And then verse 27. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. I don't want you to miss that. This was 100, no strings attached, percent forgiveness. Wow. Wow. So what did the servant do in kind? Verse 28, he'd just been forgiven. He finds one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii, which is around $25,000. And he also asks him now for mercy, but instead he seizes him and begins to choke him, demanding payment. Remember, this guy had just been forgiven an insurmountable debt, walks away from that, finds someone who owes him about three months' wages, doesn't give him any mercy, and starts choking him and puts him in prison. And the other servants are watching all this take place. They know that he had just been forgiven the debt from the king. They see what he in turn did And they go and tell the king, who says, You wicked servant, and imprisons him. And then it ends in verse 35. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. Wow. So let's look at the nature of forgiveness. Forgiveness from the king was an act of compassion. It said in verse 27, out of pity for him, he forgave him. Forgiveness is love shown in difficult circumstances. I'm not saying forgiveness is easy, and I'm not saying maybe how you've been wounded is easy, or just trying to dismiss it really. We're going to really unpack that in our third point. But forgiveness cancels the debt owed. Right. someone's going to need to pay the debt it's either going to be the offender must pay it back or the offendee must absorb the loss did you get that? this thing's going to have to get paid the bill needs to get paid and it's either going to be paid by the offender or the offendee absorbs the loss let me give you an example and this actually is a real life situation I'm not going to name names it's nobody here But if I were to loan you my kayaks and my oars, and they came back beat up and the oars bent, either you're going to pay for the repairs or I'm going to absorb the loss, right? I can't pretend the oars aren't bent and the whole bottom's been dragged through a gravel parking lot, right? Um, that's what I call, Carol and I were talking about this on the way up here. We're from Lawrence County down south of here. There's a thing that we call the Lawrence County Shuffle. And the Lawrence County Shuffle is, if you were to offend me, well, I just don't have anything to do with you, but we sweep it under the carpet and just walk away and then don't ever deal with it. That's what we call the Lawrence County Shuffle. That doesn't pay the debt. Okay, so we can't pretend the oars are not bent and the kayaks aren't beat up. We can't minimize the brokenness of the oars. And if I choose to pay for the oars, I have forgiven your debt. So just keep that in mind if you ever want to borrow our kayaks. (laughs) When you come down to Mitchell, we'll let you borrow them. But as we look at biblical forgiveness, it's really a threefold promise. We're going to go into this more in our third point. But it's what God does to us when we ask Him for forgiveness for our sins. Three, three, three—it's threefold. One, when we say "I forgive you," that means I will not bring up the offense again or use it against you. Okay, it's number one. When we say "I forgive you," number two, it means I will not bring that offense up to others, or gossip, or malign you because of that. And number three, I will not continue to be bringing it up to myself and dwelling on the offense. But sometimes when you when we're offended, I mean we're awake at night. It's like the tennis shoe in the dryer, just bump, 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 bump. We're just living on it instead of giving the same grace that we have received in Christ. When we fail, watch this, when we fail to forgive those who have offended us, we turn from victim often to victimizer. Hmm, what do I mean by that? Well, the servant in the parable did not forgive, but... Instead, choke the one who owed him. When we fail to forgive, we first of all justify our anger, and then we take the place of God as judge, jury, and executioner. See what happens there? We move from the victim to the victimizer often. We we live on it. the person who is offended becomes now the offender and they're going to take matters into their own hands and somebody's going to pay and it's not going to be me. Hmm. Wow. So what are we to do with forgiveness? Because if you are a human being and living on this planet and have anything to do with anybody else it's only a matter of time before you're going to be offended and some of you have been offended and and some of you have been deeply wounded by someone else. As believers, what are we doing? I'm not discounting it. I'm not dis- discounting the pain or, or even abuse that people pour out on one another. But as believers of people who get the gospel, what are we to do with this? Well, this brings us to our third point, four steps of forgiveness. And I thank Rankin Wilborn for just the, just the general idea as I put this message together but, but the first step is identify the doer of the deed. So if you're a note taker, write that down. Identify the doer of the deed or face it. Just face it. Name the debt. Name the offense. Call it what it is. Carly, do you remember in our driveway, um, that tree that grew up right in the middle, that little... Have you ever had a tree next to a sidewalk or a driveway? Grows up, right? And that's fine. But what does it do to the driveway? Especially if it's looking for water. It just starts tearing everything up. And, and you know, one of the things that we do is, in, especially in this cancel culture, is if somebody offends somebody else, we just go out and we just, we cut the tree down. You can tell I don't know what I'm doing. You've got to do all the angles and I'll like just <laughs> drop it right in the. I, you don't, don't call me if you need your tree down. But anyway, we, we just cut that tree down, and then we're just, I'm done with it. But yet, what's not happening? We're, there's still damage there. It's still messed up the plumbing, underground plumbing. It's still torn up the driveway, and we just, in our cancel culture, just walk away with it, and we ignore the damage in our own hearts, in our own families, in our own lives, in our own church. Face it identify the doer of the deed. With whatever pain there is, there's a story. So I'm going to stop right here. What's your grievance story today? What's your grievance story? Are you remembering it correctly? Or maybe it's a little skewered. For many people what has been done to them defines their identity i'm the victim of this happened to versus our identity being in christ what's your story proverbs 18:17 Says this: The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. I know often in mediations as we've gotten the two parties together and they have advocates and there's a whole process we go through in mediating. But when we do that, the first step is each person uninterrupted gets to state their side of the story and then uninterrupted, we allow the other side to state their side of the story, and often, even before we get into all the mediation steps, this person would say, well, I didn't, they state their story, and they said, well, and they're stating their story, and they go, I didn't even know that was the backstory story of, of what was going on in your life then, and oh oh, I didn't know and and all of a sudden I'm saying well not yet and and God just starts taking over and they just said would you please forgive me I didn't know that and they say yes and everyone's hugging and I go well you don't need me right And, and seeing that forgiveness but the first one to hear their case seems right until one hears the other side of the story paraphrase mine what's your grievance story listen the Lawrence County shuffle does not work and it's not biblical. Denying it, ignoring it, minimizing it, or even worse, stewing over it is not biblical but sinful. You got to face it. Face the stump in your driveway. Tearing up your sidewalk. Face it. Two, empathize with the doer of the deed. Feel it empathize with the doer of the deed look at the context of Matthew 18 and 15 it says if your brother sins go to him in private if the offense comes from especially another believer we're not allowed to leave the matter there I remember one time big family seven we had I had six other brothers and sisters seven kids and I remember one time calling my dad and I was struggling with something one of my sisters did and my dad wasn't a theologian very good guy smart guy educated guy here's what he told me now this is back when the day of ringtone you can ask your parents or your grandparents what that is but I said dad so what do I do he goes she's your sister work it out (coughs) good theology right they're your brother. They're your sister. Work it out. This is how they will know that you are my sons and daughters by the love that you have one for another. Feel it. With forgiveness, there needs to be a level of humility, right? Right? Versus what the world is doing out there is prideful and not letting it go and taking matters into your own hands and punishing the offender out of vengeance. That's just self-righteousness and pride and you're taking God's place. One of the things Rankin Wilborn said when he gave a message on this subject last fall was, Only God would be able to ever say, well, I'd never do that. I go, man, I'm writing that one down. Only God can say that. I know when I do counseling, I know my own heart, and I know I'm only a step away from being the counselee. (laughs) So let's empathize especially if they're unbelievers you know one of the things i heard somebody say somewhere somewhere along the line oh they're just acting like unbelievers that's right i forget i'm expecting them to act like a believer when they're really acting according to their fallen sinful nature apart from christ we should be different Again, folks, I'm not minimizing the pain and and the offenses. I don't know what you have gone through, but I know what God's Word says. And I do know this, and I say this, I want to be as sensitive to, to some of the hurt and pain that you've all maybe felt, but there's nothing that's been done against you that's any worse than what you've done against God. You... And I have been forgiven a $25 million debt in Christ. I don't know about you, I killed the Son of God. How can we not forgive the $25,000 debt? And even going through this, preparing for today, I needed to be reminded of this, of the great debt that has been paid in Christ. I think this is a quote from Rankin as well. He said, The wicked servant received forgiveness in his pocket, but not in his heart. We can come to church every week and, and, and we're, we're, we're just seeing the grace of God in our lives in Christ, but often we're just putting it in our pocket and not taking it into our heart. And you know, you can tell when that happens, you're unforgiving as you go into your week. Oh, that guy's a jerk. Oh, that guy cut me off. Yeah, well, I'm going to... That's why I don't put Christian bumper stickers on my car. <laughs> mm. Okay, so face it. Feel it. Empathy, yes, but look what I've been forgiven. And three, unstick the deed from the doer. Forgive it. Forgiveness is not a feeling, folks. It's a decision to treat others as Christ has treated you. You name the name of Jesus. Open to Ephesians, everybody, real quick. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Gary, I'm going to call on you again. Could you read that nice and loud? Thanks. Hmm. unstick the deed from the doer now listen to this folks God calls us to forgive not because he's mean or he doesn't care what you've gone through or how you feel no God calls us as believers to forgive because he does care for you and he never intended for you and I to carry that load did you hear that? He, he, he doesn't ask us to forgive because he doesn't care about the pain and all that. No, no, he, he does it because he never intended for us to carry that 50-pound bag of rocks on our back through life as the victim. We in Christ can let that baby go and be set free and whether they ask for forgiveness or lot be able to ready willing and able to forgive if they ask for forgiveness but we've been forgiven in Christ and to bask in that to find your identity in that face it feel it and then forgive it yes it's hard to forgive but not forgiving is much 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 worse Hebrews chapter 12, 14 and 15 talks about the root of bitterness that if we allow that, that victimhood and, and that bitterness sets in it says that, that very verse starts it says don't miss the grace of God because if bitterness takes the root not all, and the fruit not only defile you but everybody around you you ever met a real bitter person? They have a name for it. and I've said it here before in southern Indiana. That person just all ate up. Right? With bitterness. You ever met a bitter person? That not it, That's not to be us as believers. I, I always put it this way. I think in dumb pictures, that's why I get along so good with my grandkids because Carly says that's my mentality. <laughs> all right? But... Um, I look at Roundup, you know Roundup, you know. There's all kinds of lawsuits. I'm not. Gonna, but anyway, Roundup. The grace of God at the root of bitterness. Just put that grace all there, and and the grace of God in Christ kills bitterness. And reminds us of the twenty-five million dollar debt that we've been forgiven. We've been given grace and mercy. So. We identify the doer of the deed. We empathize with the doer of the deed. And we unstick the deed from the doer just as Christ has done. If you're in Christ, for you, you're forgiven. You're washed. You're like, there's got to be a connection here. 25 million. Yep. We're all done. We're good. Have a good day. Number four. How often? seven times 70 and from the great cartoon scholar to infinity and beyond wash, rinse, repeat because you're connected to the source you are forgiven and it does get easier it's not just an event but a what? Did you hear it earlier? Uh, not an event, forgiveness, but uh. Yes. If I had my Sunday school class, i carry Werther's. I'd throw a Wer- Werther at you right now. <laughs> Good job. You know, it's funny. I, I teach a class of mostly older folks at our church on Wednesday nights, and you think, that's going to be corny. You know, I did it when I was a youth pastor. I had a whole bag of Werther's up here. They love it. <laughs> you know she goes it's going to affect his diabetes you shouldn't be throwing him worthers, but man they're just like yeah <laughs> got that one all right all right how do i know we're we're in application now we're we're closing out here how do i how do you and i know we've truly forgiven from the heart and i got five things how do we know we're we're practicing gospel forgiveness first of all you need to get the gospel but all right so five things that you know That you've forgiven someone, one is you no longer seek to inflict pain or revenge on that person. You no longer seek to inflict pain or revenge on that person or persons. Number two, you no longer find yourself talking about it or dwelling on it. How do you do that? Well, there's a whole. Couple counseling sessions, but take that thought captive and think on something else. Philippians 4 8. So you no longer seek to inflict pain. You no longer find yourself talking or dwelling on it. Number three, you offer forgiveness unilaterally, no matter what they do. Well, you might say, well, they haven't asked for forgiveness. Well, you got a choice. You can dwell on it and get bitter. Or you can apply the gospel of grace. Okay, yes, they did that offense, but I've been forgiven the 25 million. So I'm going to be ready, willing, and able that if that day ever happens, and it might and it might not, I'm going to be ready, willing, and able to forgive that person no matter what they do. And you're just freed up. You've just taken that big, heavy bag of rocks, and you're, you're just set free. You don't have to carry that. No longer seek to inflict pain. Two, no longer find yourself talking about it. Three, you offer forgiveness unilaterally. Four, when you pray for their repentance and healing. Now Grant read from Charles Spurgeon this morning in our prayer before the service. Charles Spurgeon said something like this, it's really hard to be bitter at somebody you're praying for. Wow, cool. Write that one down. <clears throat> and then five, you desire to be reconciled if possible. That's your desire. Because you know, yet they have the $25,000 debt, and that really hurt, but I've been forgiven $25 million. Oh, God, grant them the same grace you've given me. Help them to come to know you. You know, I, I think of verses like we use these a lot in Christian mediation, Romans twelve eighteen. If possible, as much as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. You do what you can and you leave the rest in God's hands. So you desire to be reconciled. I'm going to end with... Uh, F.F. Bruce, I got a quote from him. And he goes back to the gospel. The gospel is a message of forgiveness. Right? It could not be otherwise because it is the gospel of God and God is a forgiving God. It is to be expected then that those who receive the forgiveness which God holds out in the gospel, those who call him their father, will display something of his character and show the same forgiving grace to others. I don't know about you, I need to hear this. Because I can almost guarantee you, as we go into 2022 and this cancel culture and this divided culture, you will have multiple opportunities to put the word of God and what we talked about this morning into practice. And you're bringing God glory. There's a reason when you came to know Christ, he didn't immediately take you home to be with him. He loves you. He needs us to be that light and salt in this divided cancel culture. And so we're going to get opportunities, Franklin City Church, to be that light on a hill. And, and how you treat those people who wound you, maybe even glory in it, is going to be real bright for all those other servants that we're watching. All those other people. Whether you know it or not, parents, your kids are watching you. <laughs> Grandparents, your grandkids are watching you. Your neighbors are watching you. They know you left this morning, and they know where you're at. Most likely, unless you live on a farm and there's nobody around you. <laughs> Face it. Identify the doer in the deed. You need to feel it. Empathize with the doer of the deed. And then forgive it. Unstick the deed from the doer. Let's close in prayer.